Big shiny tune six. Woo! Two thousand one. Here we are. Hell of a year. Hell of a year. Have you um seen that show, The Terror? No. Do you know about it? Uh, it's a supernatural reimagining of the Franklin Expedition. Oh, is this the Northwest Passage? Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. To find the hand of Franklin reaching for the Beaufort Sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like watching that show is how I'm starting to feel about um, the prospect of finishing Big Shiny Tunes. It's it's our Northwest Passage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is very much. I mean, this album has one real highlight. Yeah. Real high, too. Like, one fantastic yeah. song. Yeah, incredibly high. Like, one of the best songs of all the Big Shiny Tunes so far. Does not deserve to have such a highlight, but it's, yeah, it's so welcomed. Yeah, this song deserves better. But then there's also, like, there's some good times on this album. There's some real lows. There's some new lows, but also some some fresh highs. So it's, it's a complicated album. Yeah, and a lot of the good times are um, because of how fun some of the bad stuff is, like the Kid Rock auto-tune. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Whatever whatever the fuck Rivers Cuomo is singing on Hashpipe. Yeah. There's a lot of good times. There's a, there's a lot of fun to be had. But yeah, if, if you were looking out into uh, the water of Canadian music right now, you're going to see those icebergs are starting to close in. and uh... Uh, they, they all look like Chad Kroger. <laughs> uh. Just his face. <laughs> That's why they're a triangle. That's his power stance when he plays his guitar. And then like later on, conspiracy theorists would be like, Chad Kroger is an eternal ice monster. <laughs> okay, well, um, thanks uh, for tuning in last week. Yeah, great. Nice big nice big spike in listeners. We don't know where you guys came from, but you're very welcome. Seriously. And, um, and if you were following a little bit uh, leading up to the episode this week, I might have been joking that we uh, have Noel Gallagher on the show. That was a joke? I'm furious. Well, it started as a joke, but um, if you listen... Uh, to this episode, I think you might have a little surprise. Somebody did show up after all. Oh, I love guests. Uh, if you are a new listener, uh, please make sure to rate and review the show. It helps us find even more new listeners. So imagine, remember how happy you were when you found this podcast? Yeah. Imagine how much happier you can make others by recommending it through a fucking algorithm. Uh, imagine you are, uh, watching the titanic sink and you invite more people onto the ship to go down with it <laughs> what are you talking about it's we're not making big shiny tunes we're remembering it and absolving it of its crimes okay <laughs> that's what's happening we are we are big shiny tunes is 12 hail marys we are problematic revisionists is what we are <laughs> We are in no way problematic revisionists. <laughs> Speaking of problematic, I don't think there are any convicted or uh, uh, heavily accused sex criminals on this album for the first time in three albums. I mean, give it a couple weeks, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we'll come back to it. But it's a nice it's a nice reprieve to not have to give a trigger warning at the start. Definitely. Uh, if you want to listen along to catch up on the Spotify playlist, link is in the description, as always. So check that out. We got all the songs on there from uh, from the good, the bad, and the truly, truly ugly. Yeah. Sorry for last week when Jay Englishman um, had his own link. I feel like he wasn't deserving of his own separate link, but uh, apparently that's the way it works. Doesn't exist on Spotify. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about that. Which is so funny because that video, he seemed so uh, tech savvy, remember? He's just uh, on a computer. So much time at that computer. Get with <laughs> it, Jay. <laughs> Maybe that was it the whole time. He's like, so Spotify's coming, turn it into an MP3, but he never figured it out because of the beautiful ladies. Uh, wasn't that like an anti-corporate message? Maybe he's, uh, maybe that's the one cool thing about Jay Englishman. He's like, I'm not selling my music to Spotify. He actually stuck to it. <laughs> I didn't really get the message across. It was a conflicting video, but you know what? I've, I've got my guns. I'm sticking to them. 
I'm going to cut my listenership down from zero to zero. <laughs> All right. I feel like that's enough beating up on Jay Englishman. Shall we get to the show yeah, okay. and beat up on other bands? Please. I can't wait. Uh, all right, here comes Big Shiny Tune 6, released in 2001. Enjoy the episode, uh, and we'll uh, talk to you at the end. Oh, yeah, 2001. Hell, yeah. Ow! Here we go. What a shitty year. What a terrible, terrible year. Not a bad year for the military industrial complex, though. Woo! Yeah, they killed it. That, that <laughs> literally oof, baby. Ooh, they really did kill it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yay, Vietnam part two. Let's do this. Two thousand one. Where do we start? Two th- I mean, you gotta start, I think you, just to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. 2001-9-11. Where were you? What did you think? How many conspiracy theories about it have you watched since? I mean, I remember seeing it before heading to school, seeing the first tower. uh, And my parents were just like watching the news and it's like, oh, weird, something like happened. A plane accidentally flew into it. And then by the time we're at school, um, I think it had uh, the second plane had hit. And I actually remember later in the day, there was this um, kid at the school... Uh, teenager, I guess now, named Pablo, who like wore um, shirts of uh, Che Guevara and um, oh, yeah. like identified as a communist. Was just he he was like walking down the hall and he's like, "Hey man, did you hear?" I'm like, "Yeah," and he's like, "It's so fucking awesome." And Jesus Christ. and I remember my reaction was, <laughs> "No, it's not awesome." Not because of this is a sad day for America, but more just because I I think even at the time, like I felt oh man, what's America going to do in response to this? Oh, really? I was like, yeah, like they're going to go ape shit. And I was, mm. I was glad, uh, you know, in the months to follow to see how sensibly they, um, took on, uh, that disaster and didn't use it as an excuse to invade other countries or anything like that. So, yeah. How great, how great would it have been if he just kept reading that children's book? Like just never stopped. <laughs> he just, instead of facing it, he just kept all those kids in that class for a year. Yeah. He like Howard Hughes <laughs> himself in the kindergarten room. It's just like, Mr. President, we're, you're needed at the Oval Office. He's like, I'm still reading this book. Yeah. Just obsessively panicked, rereading it over and over again. Dick Cheney's just like pacing back and forth because he needs like him to sign off on it but he's just yeah yeah man and he knows that he can't take over because he can't have that number of eyes on him he needs to be vice president because he's too evil to be like the face of things yeah and so if george bush had actually stepped back and there hadn't been like an affable g shucks face to this whole thing Mm -hmm. i don't think any of it would have happened if he just would have fallen into some sort of panic attack hysteria of rereading that book over and over again, the world would be a better place right now. Like he would be broken, obviously, and that would be a shame, but the world would have been much better. If footage circulated around the world of him just sort of um, perspiring at the brow and maybe uh, crying at some point, then that's when the terrorists would have truly won when they... And then, yeah, and they they would have been happy with that. We broke the president. All right, pack it in, guys. We did it. Man. All his speeches, he's just talking about the big red dog. I remember there was this um, essay by David Foster Wallace sometime uh, within a year of the attacks where he um, was arguing that like terrorism 
within America uh, kills less people than car accidents. And given mm. the nature of American policy for the last 50 years, Americans shouldn't be surprised if people try and attack them. And that they should, yeah. he was arguing for like more sensibility through like uh, a reading of America's history and, and challenging people to, to, to wonder why people hate them. <laughs> yeah, the blowback, right? Yeah. That's the like CIA like brings that in when they're doing a thing. They're like, well, we're probably going to get attacked for doing this. Yeah. Is it worth it? That's part of what they figure out. But yeah, I remember like when it happened, when it happened, I um, first, I, uh, I was brushing my teeth. My brother was watching the TV. And he saw it happen. Mm -hmm. And then he said, I think a plane just flew into the World Trade Center. And I said, no, it didn't. You're an idiot. <laughs> just <laughs> never he's believe. my younger yeah, brother. You just default. Don't believe anything he says. <laughs> yeah, he's probably just wrong. One, one of the smartest people I know. Like, genuinely so fucking smart. Really sharp. Really wise. And I just disregarded him completely. Nice. And, uh, and, then, um, and, then, another, and then the second plane hit. And he's like, yep, oh, just happened again. And, uh, and I, I went in. I went into the room and I was like, oh my God, he's right. Same thing happened when Diana died. Yeah, I remember. I think we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. This, is a, this would make a good book of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, just times I should have believed my brother. <laughs> uh, and, and then I remember like, I was really upset about it. Like the whole thing just made me, not in like a, I don't think it was in the sense of like fear that we were next or any of that. It was just an incredibly huge, sad thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really like, I was tearing up about it. I was really upset about it. And we drove to school and... I remember the first kid that I saw, um, his name was Dieter, and he he makes me laugh so hard because he's like, he was just a very like buttoned down, normal dude. Like he seems like he just, he was born to be a great dad mm -hmm. and have like a solid middle management job. Yeah. And I remember I told him, I was like, did you see? He goes, yeah, I mean, I guess they had it coming. And I was like, what the fuck? What are you? <laughs> where have you been Dieter this is not a side of you that I ever expected but he wasn't even like angry or happy like your communist friend he was just sort of nonplussed I mean that that kind of like, yeah, like well. uh accepting pragmatism is very uh dad like too that's a good dad quality it's just like yeah, well yeah that's true it's like his kid runs and skins his knee and it's just like well that's what happens when you run too fast sometimes just <laughs> yeah you, got, you know what the ground will um attack you yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't like I don't know how political I was um, as a 15 year old, but I definitely was defining myself by a lot of things that I wasn't. But I think, yeah, throughout um, the year that came afterwards was when I was, you know, I was probably like high every day uh, of high mm. school. And um, yeah, what, whatever. uh that kind of cultural landscape that happened after it was, it, it was definitely inescapable. And I think it's uh, threaded its way into um, most of mainstream North American culture on pretty subtle and, and weird ways. And we, yeah, we're not going to really see it too much on this comp, but yet, yet yeah. really like the kind of response or the uh, way of like, okay, well, what kind of song should we write now? Um, yeah. Cause yeah, it happened. It happened late in the year. Like this album was released November 13th. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously it happened September 11th. So there was enough time for people to like record new songs and put them on here. But we can make the argument that they curated it with, uh, 9-11 yeah, in maybe. the back it, of their it, mind. It, it, it'd be interesting to know how far, how far had they, they started curating it. But like 2001 was a sad year anyway, because like it was the year George W. Bush came in, yeah. which everyone was like really bummed about. It was the most contentious, uh, election of my lifetime. Yeah. So, so yeah, so George Bush got in, 9-11 happened, uh, the Afghan war, uh, sort of started to begin as a result of that but 
culturally, just in case you don't remember where you were then, uh, the first Lord of the Rings came out. Mm -hmm. It was the beginning of um, massive saga uh, movie franchises, for better or worse. The began began the 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 pattern of uh, breaking the last book into two films because yes. you're a dick. Yep. Uh, a Beautiful Mind came out. Moulin Rouge came out. Training Day came out. Uh, and for the artsy people, Mulholland Drive and Amelie came out. That's that, 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 that's, you're talking to me. You can just say, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just say Jordan. <laughs> Whichever. I don't know which, uh, which movie theater you went to, but that covered both. <laughs> so, uh, it's the year John Mayer came out. So if you're feeling particularly heartbroken or horny for John Mayer, that was when that happened. Uh, N.E.R.D. released their first album. So we learned about Pharrell. Oh, fuck. Where'd you go? We are experiencing technical difficulties. Hello? Please stand by. Oh, I think you hung up. All right, you were uh, at NERD. Oh, sorry, before that, uh, did you did you ever get into 9-11 conspiracy theories? I meant to ask that. Uh, I, I only got into them as a way to annoy people, not actually because I believe them. Um a great, a great, Fair a great enough. icebreaker question when you meet somebody the first time is you just ask them if they believe uh, uh, if jet fuel can melt steel beams. That's always the go-to, right? Because no one who isn't a scientist really knows, which I love. No, I think that's such a funny uh, way of. Well, at least we didn't then. I think now we're all pretty sure. I mean, put it this way: like, why hasn't there been a MythBusters episode about uh, jet fuel and steel? Oh, conspiracy on conspiracy. Excellent. <laughs> I remember, um, do you remember the documentary, documentary in loose, the loosest form of the word, uh, loose change? No. It was like the definitive 9-11 was an inside job documentary. Okay. Was it and, made like, uh, by some guy in a basement? Or? <laughs> it was. And here's why, here's why it's so funny to me is I remember in Vancouver, I saw a van driving around that was like the loose change van. <laughs> And it was just plastered in pictures of 9-11 and like it was an inside job and all these things. And I guess he was like on a tour going around giving talks about how 9-11 was an inside job. And I was like, dude, driving around in a van covered in burning buildings isn't a great way to build up, you know, uh, credibility. No. It's not, the, the van is the least credible <laughs> vehicle that you can have. You're already seen as a crank. You can't be showing up in vans. Man. Uh, but yeah, no, okay, that's that's good. I, I didn't really get into them either. I'd also like to give a shout out to um, uh, a creation that has made this podcast, um, while not entirely possible, I'd say it's uh, helped us in certain binds, which is uh, in January, Wikipedia was invented, which... That's true. Fuck you, Encyclopedia Britannica. More room on my bookshelf yeah. now. Should should have gotten in on the ground floor, encyclopedias, <laughs> idiots. <laughs> Yeah. So, oh yeah. So, um, so musically, NERD, we got uh, Pharrell. Imagine if you released Happy like after a month after nine eleven. I don't think that would have gone <laughs> over so well. It just slipped through. People were so traumatized by it that they forgot to take <laughs> it off the airwaves. <laughs> um, and for me, this was this was the big album of the year. Was a uh, Tool uh, released Lateralis. Gotta love those fucking prog time signatures, dude. What? Time signatures is in thirteen seven. <laughs> I that is uh, too deep into music knowledge for me. But someone listening to this is laughing right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was a. That was, I remember that being a really big deal for me. I love that album. I like. I like that you got into Tool. I feel like that. There's something about them where at least maybe they got you into the idea of like taking drugs or something. Like what? What do you think it was about Tool for you? Oh, I just. Uh, I don't know. It just spoke to me, which is maybe a weird thing to say. <laughs> 
but I really like, I just got it. Like listening to it, I was like, yes, absolutely. Every part of this is correct. <laughs> and it wasn't even like lyrically. It was just the vibe of it, yeah. the, where it took me. I just, yeah, I just, I just really loved it. Something about young me and Tool, we were intertwined. I shared a, a similar thing with Mogwai a few years later. That's cool. I got him to Mogwai as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. That's how I wrote all of my essays in university, was I would just put on either um, Happy Songs for Happy People or Mr. Beast. Nice. And I would just play it on repeat while I'd write all of my essays because it was, it just sort of zoned me into whatever I was doing because it was so in tune with whatever the fuck was wrong with me. Yeah that it um it, it cast away all extra thoughts it was my ritalin <laughs> do you have any like particular memory outside of uh 9-11 happening from that year that like defines the year for you where were you at i think i was just kind of going uh down some kind of uh rabbit hole of um the most obscure music i could find with my friends i mean i remember listening to a lot of Godspeed you Black Emperor this year. I was into nice. this crazy screamo band called The Locust. I was into okay. Elliot Smith. Um Oh wow. These two uh friends of mine, we started a band called Dilemma Dilemma that was like a noise project. Um I was working at HMV. Uh <laughs> Cool. Yeah, it was like it definitely was like a good year uh for music for me. Um mm. and like I can't think of anything further away um, from what my interests were than <laughs> what is on this comp. Um, but yeah, like I think I like I, I don't know if you remember in The Sopranos where like AJ kind of just gets um, super into reading different uh, articles about um, America's role and um, yeah and, and, and just like th that landscape was definitely there and, and I definitely was uh, a depressed teenager um and it's kind of hard to tell like would i have been just as depressed or more depressed if um 9-11 hadn't happened i don't really know probably probably be the same but it it definitely felt like as a teenager it's like yeah this kind of feels this is how my world feels which is very yeah. solipsistic to think that the world revolves around you but it's it wasn't a f like culturally we weren't living in some kind of uh everything's rosy times it was pretty on some level it was kind of scary i think just because um hmm. not not only because of like the powerless powerlessness of the war that was uh happening and and going to come uh but the fact that it didn't even happen on um north american uh soil i think was also extremely depressing because it just felt like this hmm. thing that you your country was uh removed from but also complicit in do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like no one was getting drafted. Yeah, because we're, but... Canada's, Canada's coming along is sort of always the feeling in Canada. It's like whatever America does, we're probably going to have to do that too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, what about you where, I mean, you, you were into Tool. You're saying it spoke to you on some level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was uh, uh, very much in my foundation. I love, I, I, that was, I was graduating that year mm -hmm. and I was pretty self-involved. So like, I don't remember really thinking about 9-11 much after September 13th. Uh, so it was like, I had a couple days where I was like, Jesus Christ. And then I just got on with my teenage life yeah. uh, in small, small town Canada. And um, so it was like, for me that year was like, I, I, I performed on stage for the first time. I was in, I was in a play and I, uh, I got my first heartbreak when uh, my, my high school girlfriend cheated on me. 
And uh, we're still friends, by the way. She's amazing. But, you know, it, it wasn't because of your performance in the play, was it? No, but she was really angry that I got the role because I only auditioned because she was nervous and she was going to audition. So she made me audition too, just to sort of make her like she'd have an audition buddy. Yeah. And then I got a role and she didn't. And she was fucking furious. So wait, so she, it was, she did she on you because of that then? That sounds like... No, I don't think so. It was, it was, it was a whole bunch of other stuff, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I had my first real heartbreak, uh, but honestly, the thing I actually, so in the play, I played, um, a Hamlet technically. Okay. Uh, but it was a one act of a like film noir-esque spoof of Hamlet <laughs> called The Omelette Murder Case because the main character isn't Hamlet. It's like a like a P.I. Omelette like an who egg? Can't, yeah, like he can't pronounce Jesus Hamlet. Christ. He keeps calling me Omelette. It was bad. <laughs> my, I, I, my, main, my main memory from that year, or like I guess the one that I like the most is um, late in the year, I skipped class with a few of my friends. It would have been... January mm-hmm. and um you know, we skipped a bunch of classes because we're in grade 12 and we don't care yeah right we're too cool for school and we stole like a a huge plastic Santa from somewhere I don't remember where okay and then we threw it in the back of my friend's car and we drove out to a field and we covered it in lighter fluid and set fire to it and then hit it with a car <laughs> like like and it was hit, hit it like you you had it standing up you just like, yeah, we had it standing up in the middle of the road. And we ran into it with a car uh, just because we were bored and we couldn't think of anything to do. <laughs> so it wasn't like a master plan. We pieced it together as we were going. So we were driving and we were like, what should we do? And someone was like, let's steal that Santa. And we're like, all right, cool. So we stole the Santa. And we're like, what should we do with the Santa? Let's see if we can set it on fire. Yeah. And then it was on fire and they're like, we should hit this with our car. That's so, and... that's such a rural pastime or something. Like, Yeah, very much so. And while we were, while we were doing it, uh, our history teacher drove by <laughs> very slowly in his pickup truck. <laughs> Did he like slow down he was g- to see what was going on? He full on, full on slowed down, was like, hello, boys. <laughs> We're like, hi, Mr. Falk. And he, um, but he was retiring the next year, so he didn't give a shit. He's like, you guys okay? We're like, We're fine. He goes, all right. <laughs> and then just drove away. You know, he knew what so- was up. Yeah, he didn't care. Yeah, we were just, we were just bored, bored kids, but it was, um, I like I like that what we built out of nothing. Mm, mm-hmm. and that was a very fun afternoon. Um, yeah, that's how unconcerned we were with nine eleven. We were setting fire to Santa Clauses and hitting them with our car. Uh, all right, so um, let's get into the two thousand one charts just to give us an idea of where music was at. So, so in the states. And you see a real shift from the, the top tens that we saw in past years. It's getting whiter every year. Yeah. And I think that that's reflected in, in the election of George Bush, that America is getting weird. Yeah. Um, so uh, the first song, number one, was Hanging by a Moment by Lifehouse, yeah. which I had forgotten about. And I went back and re-listened to. And boy, do I hate that goddamn song. Yeah. I think w- one of the only good things I can say about Big Shiny Tune 6 is it didn't include this song. <laughs> God, God bless you. Thank you so much, much music. Um, then you have uh, Fallen by Alicia Keys, which I think was her first single. Mm-hmm. Um, All, for you, All For You by Janet Jackson. Drops of Jupiter by Train, which we've made fun of in the past. Yeah, and we should continue to any moment. Uh, Always. Yeah. N- n- never stop. Uh, I'm Real by Jennifer Lopez and Ja Rule. Uh, if You're Gone by Matchbox 20. Let Me Blow Your Mind. Eve featuring Gwen Stefani. This was like 
peak Gwen Stefani, I think, or just leading into it. Bananas. Uh, Thank You by Dido. Thank You by Dido was in the top 10. Crazy. Um, Again by Lenny Kravitz and Independent Woman by Destiny's Child. And then Canada. So number one was Survivor by Destiny's Child, which totally stands up. It's a banger. Um, Elevation by U2, which I do not like, but I hate most. Good dad rock, though. Good dad rock. I guess they're fine. I mean, when, when... with so much good dead rock, I feel like U2 is right at the bottom of the, the acceptable pile. This, I, I, know, I know that song and that album really well because it was one of my dad's uh, divorce albums that he got really into. Oh, no. Elevation. It's a beautiful day. Oh, God. I can just picture your dad crying to that song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, then uh, Lady Hear Me Tonight by Mojo, which I'd forgotten about, but is like, that's a dance song. Yeah. So that's really surprising. Uh, what It Feels Like for a Girl by Madonna. Uh, pop by NSYNC, which I still stand by. I think that's a great pop song. Sandstorm by Darude, which yeah. is the theme song to everyone that I've ever hated. Uh, I mean, I think of it as the ultimate soundtrack to Laser Tag, but sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and Laser Tag might be the only acceptable use for it. <laughs> laser anything, laser bowling, yes. laser tag, any of that is totally fine. Laser eye surgery, just have Sandstorm playing in the background. Um, see, this is this is where I started to think that my top 10 might be suspect, the one that I found. Okay. Uh, because the next one is Shit on You by D12. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, Canada, that, it, maybe, but maybe not. Like, who who really right? knows? Like, something, something was in the water uh, in this new century. This this top ten is bananas to me. Yeah. It makes Canada seem so interesting in two thousand one. Yeah. Like we just thought anything was possible because the next song is "Silence" by Delirium, <laughs> uh, and then "Days Like That" by Sugar Jones, and then "Pyramid Song" by Radiohead. Yeah, yeah. totally. What a what a bananas top ten. Yeah. Whereas like every other year it was like Jan Arden, Jewel, Rod Stewart, and now it's just like we got Mojo, we got Destiny's Child, we got Radiohead, we got D12. What the hell is yeah, going Can- on? Canada's top 10 has the same confidence as tourists who would sew the uh, flag on their backpack because they thought other uh, countries would think that was cool that they're not American, you know? It looks like my plate at a buffet. <laughs> like, it's just a bunch of things that have no business being together. <laughs> it's steak and pizza and ice cream but like just on the side not in a separate bowl you know you never know when a plane's gonna come crash into that buffet you gotta get what you can while you can you know yeah, scrabble it all up into your chops <laughs> so yeah so you can so you can tell that it's like it feels like yeah america is like closing down like it's got a that's the most boring top 10 we've seen so far yeah and canada feels weirdly like it's opening up that's the most interesting top 10 i mean i don't really like any of the songs on there except pyramid song and actually, okay, I do like Survivor, but I would never like listen to it. And um, I mean, I, I didn't listen to D12 shit on you. Maybe that's good. But um, so that's a weird reverse yeah. in, in, the, in the spots in that, which I, I, I find very interesting. So did you have any um, honorable mentions, any, out, any songs that you are surprised didn't make the list? Uh, of the compilation? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, anything off of um, Is This It? by the right? strokes um, last night how is that not on yeah there? or or someday or any, any of those songs um mm. uh white stripes as well like yeah fell in love with a girl was the one that i had but um y- yeah dead leaves on the dirty ground and may- maybe now that uh you mention it uh uh i mean 
I, I would have put Sandstorm on this compilation, but it's just me. Yeah, it's I should see me. that. After, I mean, Chemical Brothers were on the last <laughs> one, so you can do <laughs> We're branching what out. What about you? Uh, I had a few. Nice. Um, uh, I was a little surprised that a Tenacious D song didn't make it. Either Wonder Boy could have made it or Tribute. Right, Tribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like either one of those could have, could have made it on here. Um, so I was, I was a little surprised, but not like shocked that that was on there. I thought New York, New York by Ryan Adams could have made it. And then the last one I had, obviously, the Strokes are on there and the White Stripes are on there. Because it's insane that they're not on this compilation mm-hmm. when you look at some of the fucking garbage that made it on here. Uh, so this album, here, here, are a couple, here are a couple facts about it. It's the only one that was uncensored. Okay. So on every other one, they either had clean versions or sort of like blanked out the swear words, so they replaced it with a nicer word. Uh, this is the only one. They tried it one time, and they got a bunch of complaints, and so they stopped it. Um, and it, oh, it turns out that uh, we were talking about how did some of these songs get on there. Yeah. And the only one that was done by fan vote was number three. The only one. Okay. Yeah, that was the only one. The rest were all decided by producers and uh, record label people. Um, but so those are, those, those are just a couple of, uh, quick facts I wanted to get out. How do you feel about this album, Jordan? Overall? Uh, um, (laughs) can I just leave it at that? I, I think it's, it's definitely, um, it has, whereas last, uh, compilation, I think, um, we can officially or unofficially refer to it as the sad boy parade. Um, this mm-hmm. one is when the sad boys made money off those songs and now it's sad boy parade on cocaine. Like they have money to spend to make more shitty songs. And, you know, um, I, I, I think at, from here on out, like I don't see any kind of aesthetic, um, pretense to these things other than the smallest gestures, um, sometimes with song pairings but it it really just Mm. feels like a total cash grab at this point and um i found i found listening to it back to back to be very excruciating um it's particularly when there might be a song that uh you got into uh and just knowing just maybe looking three songs ahead and knowing that something was coming would be Mm. enough for me to you know, like if, if I own this compilation, I probably just only listen to two of the songs on here. But um, for the sake of this podcast, uh, listening to this front to back, it, it really hurt. Yeah, yeah, I can. I agree with that. So I, I had the same sort of like it feels like we're following the sad boy on to the next stage. But for me, it felt more like in the in, in Big Shiny Tunes 5, yeah. he was like outdoors and furious. Yeah. And he was putting on a show of his rage. Yeah. But this one feels like we followed him into his house and he's crying into his pillow. There are so many ballads on this song or on this album. Like b- at bands that normally would do like the the hard version, mm-hmm. it's almost entirely their sad songs. Yeah. And so it just, yeah, it feels like they're really letting loose with what a bummer all these guys are. And then the other half is just like silly pop punk and then the gorillas who are amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh it's it, it'll become clear within the first three songs like where um the uh world that this lives in uh resides but mm. um I, I don't know what would a knockoff name for pirates of the caribbean be it'd be like um like swashbucklers <laughs> of hudson bay <Yes. laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, this this feels like begrudgingly going to um, an amusement park that is modeling itself after one that used to kind of be fun. And now it's just I, I, I see all the cracks in it a, a lot more. But um, well, I just I have, I have one more thing that I want to say just just because I noticed this weird thing where um, so I, I listened to the album and then I decided that normally what I do is I listen to the album. I take notes and then uh, the next day or two days later, I listen to it again yeah. and I, I sort of see, and then I write my other notes and I compare my notes together um, because, you know, there's something about the initial sense of yeah. listening to something um, and especially something nostalgic like this. And then it's like, once you've gotten that out of the way, then you really, excuse me, hear it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this time I decided that instead of listening to it twice, I'd listen to it. And then the next time I'd go through it by music videos. Yeah. Just to see aesthetically what they were pairing. Yeah. I noticed the weirdest pattern on this album okay. where, let me just count, uh, one, two, three, four, five, but a third of the songs, yeah. their music videos are the band going like, well, what should we do for yes. the music yeah, video? Yeah, I noticed that too. Sugar Ray, Blink-182. That's Blink so weird. Yeah. Uh, Moby, uh, Limp Biscuit. Yeah. And they all, and what I love about it is they're all sort of like... Um, Oh, they're trying to like subvert like the, the prepared sort of fancy yes. uh, uh, music video. But then in their attempt to subvert it, they just go through every single stereotype yeah. and they all did it the same way with slight variations. And so it's like, you're just as boring. Like there's nothing fucking interesting about this. And that, that really sums up this album to me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, there's, I think legitimately only one truly great song on this compilation which we'll obviously get to and everything else just feels um like it's been through many board meetings before it got released as a single so yeah i get that yeah there's a lot of uh writing by committee going on yeah um all right so into it <laughs> track number one Woof. Mm-hmm. one step closer by lincoln park yeah now i want to get this out of the way please I loved Linkin Park. Okay. I loved them. I listened to this album over and over and over again. Yeah. I think I probably knew all the words. I remember I, I would sometimes put it on to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, because I, I knew it so well. Um, it doesn't bring up the joy that it used to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um, I don't like it as much. I do feel like Linkin Park are like the platonic ideal of rap rock new metal yeah sure i mean i feel like i feel like new metal is is an unfortunate catch-all because it has some genuinely interesting bands in it uh, but rap rock is like this very specific kind of garbage okay aside from what like rage yeah uh but these guys have like they've got the guitars they have a guy who screams and a guy who raps yeah they have a they have the dj but all of it is is just it's packaged properly and the proportions are correct and so it's like it's not good but it's exactly what this genre should be which is never good yeah except for rage against the machine but they're their own thing they created it (laughs) i mean i i i i don't hear this song um being any different than uh something that would be released on chocolate starfish or uh yeah, like it, it. This song could be done by Limbiscuit, but um, visually, like the way that this band looks and stuff, I think you know Fred Durst looks like somebody who um, shoves a gay person into a locker 
Chester Bennington yeah. looks like somebody who would help them out of the locker, but they're still making yeah. the same music. Um, yeah, but I think that I don't think I don't think Limp Bizkit is capable of making something as sort of coherent as this as Olympus as a, a Lincoln Park song. Okay, I feel like especially like the Limp Bizkit song in this one is all over the place. We'll talk we'll talk about that when it gets there. But but yeah, but I'm not saying it's like good. I'm just saying it's like. It feels like a perfectly proportioned rap rock. I, I mean, to me, I it feels that. like perfectly packaged. It's um, the, mm. the object of anger in this song is so vague. It could be anyone. Like it could be uh, your parents. It could be a girlfriend. It could be America. Like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that that line that happens at the end of the song shut up when i'm talking to you shut up when i'm talking to you yeah <laughs> it's it's it taps into a feeling which i think uh anyone can feel um and yeah i mean this is that song's genius where i think its anger could really be about whatever any listener is angry about uh in their life mm. it, this song just fits perfectly with the kind of generic feeling and the idea of anger but I don't really know what the song is about. Like, I don't know uh, yeah. why he's about to break, uh, why he's getting one step closer. Um, yeah. It, but it has something to do with something that somebody's saying to him. But what are they saying? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's your parents trying to tell you to clean your room. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's, um, you know. Maybe they left you home alone at Christmas and two burglars keep trying to get in. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a fitting um, opening song for this compilation. Um, yeah. At any point when you were listening to this, you're like, uh, the song's okay, but I really wish Jay-Z would show up on buddy. I love that he did that. <laughs> <laughs> I think even, even at the time, like I was, I was very anti rap at the time, which I'm sure we're down to some very complicated views on race as a teenager. But I also like, that's such a weird unexpected move yeah that i love it because <laughs> it's so weird why were jay-z and lincoln park but again maybe that that added to my idea of them being the the platonic ideal of yeah. it where it was like they actually they did it they brought a hit in the way that like zach de la rocha is on every run the jewels album yeah is like <laughs> he was he was able to move from the rock version into the hip-hop world and jay-z saw what they were doing was like i can meld with this you you want to you want to jam for a sec do do you know uh the chorus for um encore by jay-z uh do you want to encore do you want more cooking what the hell are you waiting for (laughs) (laughs) so for one last time i need y'all to roll what the hell are you waiting for (laughs) rest in peace chester bennington by the way very sad um but uh i gotta say that uh that thing when he screams, shut up when I'm talking to you, gave me like alt-right shivers. Like that really, really bothered me. <laughs> came in, I was like, uh, I forgot about that part. That's not, yeah, that's not great. Um, all right. So uh, on to track two. Yeah. The Rock Show by Blink-182. Yeah. Which might as well be, uh, if this was the 60s, this is like Archie's yummy, yummy uh, showing yeah, up. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Total bubblegum pop. S- fun silly he's a he's a boy in love with a girl i do wish just from a storytelling point of view um at one point he says um uh, i can't wait till her parents go out of town Mm -hmm. but he hasn't established that he's 17 in the song yet so at this point 
it just sounds like a guy in his 30s <laughs> singing about he can't wait till his girlfriend's parents go out of town. Right. And then and then a couple, I think it's in the next verse, he says like uh, a couple of 17-year-olds or something like that. And I go, oh, you need to really like put that information at the start. You need to seed all the important information <laughs> at the beginning of your story, Mark Hoppus, yeah. because I was very upset there for a moment. Yeah, um, and, and so at the beginning of this video... Uh, they're just like, yeah, we're, we got a, got a check from our record label. We're just about to go cash it on. We'll see what we can do with it. And I don't know if you noticed how much that check was for. I tried to see, but I couldn't figure it out. It's It was for half a million dollars. Jesus Christ. That's a shit ton of money to make like, for anybody. Um, yeah. And they, and they didn't even make it. That was to be thrown away. That was to record a three-minute music video. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was thinking how funny it would have been. And how very unblink one eighty two, but like such a cool move. If they just sort of took the money and they just went to like like a refugee center, like a battered women's shelter or something like that, and just handed it over, and then just stared into the camera for the next two and a half minutes while Rock Show played, <laughs> fell in love with a girl at the something rock a little show, bit more punk looked. rock, like like that totally. Like they could have gone way more punk rock with that money, but instead, like the yeah. most punk rock you can get in a mainstream punk way is just shenanigans. Yeah, just shit it down. Just just nonsense. Yeah. And I was like, this is if if you're into punk, this is the opposite of what your heroes would have done with this money. Yeah. They would have given some of it to a socialist organization <laughs> and then and then spent the rest on cheap beer. Like just thousands of pilsners. Yeah, this is not <laughs> crass. This is not um these mm. are these aren't This isn't Joe Strummer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So track three. Flavor of the Week by American Hi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I straight up hate this song. How you doing? This song is in the same world as Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote Wheatus Factor, which... 100%. Um, also, a uh, couple of side notes. Horrible snare sound. And I'm like, why? What's up with these bad snare sounds? And I uh, learned that this record was produced by Bob Rock, um, famously oh, yeah. known for uh, one of the worst snare sounds of all time on Metallica's St. Anger album. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, want to just jump into how dumb these lyrics are? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're right. It is. It's Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus, sung by a cool guy. Yeah. Like, this guy is... Did you watch the video? He's beautiful. Totally. Yeah. What a lie. Like, he's he he looks like he should be one of the surfers making fun of Keanu Reeves and Point Break. Yeah. Like, it's insane. This idea of a guy who knows what's best for a girl, um, mm. based on all these kind of arbitrary things, which I'm pretty sure you just made up, dude. Like, I'm pretty sure... That is this fantasy that a lot of guys make where it's like, I bet her boyfriend's a real shitty person. I bet her, I bet her boyfriend uh, has pictures on the wall of everyone that he's ever slept with and rubs it in her face. And I bet he, I bet he smokes yeah. so much pot and, and plays Nintendo yeah. all the time. He's not good f- for her. Was this song sponsored by Dare? <laughs> like the, <laughs> the anti-drug campaign? Because he says he's too stoned over and over and over yeah. again. We get it. You're against drugs. Like, move on. Yeah, the the cherry on top, too, is their, like, aren't we so clever flavor of the week, uh, like a weak person. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, so sh- she's the flavor of the week, W-E-A-K. Yeah. Uh, because, like, her boyfriend is a piece of shit. Yeah. 
Um, and it's like shitty dudes that are into her, but he is also into her. So he is weak, right? Yeah. By that That's logic. Yeah. <laughs> fair. It's a very simple deduction based on everything about this song. I picture Jared Leto rocking out to this in his Joker makeup from Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if American Hi-Fi had been like, this is a story about an unpopular person, I might hate it less, but I really take exception to him trying to make us believe that he couldn't sleep with anybody he wanted to. Yeah, this guy was like 30 at the time, too. So like his Jesus Christ, his youth was over. (laughs) All right. So let's get to track four. Yeah, this is Fat Lip by Canadian Sum 41. Yeah. Did this song sound like a tribute to the Beastie Boys to you? We're on the same page. They totally want to be oh, yeah. the Beastie Boys in this song. Um, right. Did you see, did you watch the video? I know there, again, there's like yeah. two different videos, but like, I think they're basically the same. Um, you know, the intro to the video where they're uh, free. Where they're rapping at the guys in the convenience store. I felt store? so bad for those convenience store owners, man. <laughs> yes. I was like, what a bunch yes. of assholes. Like, <laughs> like these needy pricks and, 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 and it, it, again like this goes into um another one of the uh big shiny tunes conspiracy oh i like that i like that a great deal uh like american psycho um guy who wrote that song produced some 41 and in, mm. in that video they're also harassing a bunch of convenience store people too what's up with that is this like some oh yeah yeah i don't know my my hope when I was watching it, and this is me giving the boys from Sum 41 uh, credit. As I'm trying to be as, positive. As auteurs of as, as um, <laughs> no, just as just as silly kids, sure. Because yeah. that's the that's the vibe that I get off them more than anything. Let's is start that a ruckus silly gang. Kids. Yeah, yeah, they are pure like just like. They're Bart well, Simpson. Those kids it's are fucking, dangerous. It's Bart Simpson. But then, yeah, they're, yeah, it, it's 100. Yeah, they seem dangerous, but then you get to know them, and they're actually like sweethearts. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the vibe that I get off them. And so the, um, like moms are scared of them, but no one else is. I just want to say that, you know, it's all fun and games, but I think you need to really reassess, uh, yourself. If like Derek says in the song that we laugh when old people fall. Um, I don't think that's cool. (laughs) Like, I, I, I think that's really rude. You should help old people when they fall, especially now because if an old person falls, it's probably because they have COVID um, and they need your help. That is not a symptom. That is not a symptom of COVID. I mean, dying is a symptom of COVID. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I think this song is kind of dumb fun. Um, yeah, right. You can't hate it. It's what one does in Ontario to pass the time. <laughs> This is their version of stealing a Santa Claus, setting it on fire, and hitting it with a car. It's 100%. just dumb. Yeah. It's just dumb. It's like everything that I felt like hating about it, it wore on its sleeve, and so I just couldn't hate it. Yeah. Where it's like, is this juvenile? 100%. Is this so stupid? Of course it is. But they know that. There's no, there's no sense that they're trying to hide that. There's no sense they're trying to be anything but that. So like, I find myself... Like, I can't be mad at people who are just having a good time. Yeah. And, like, I like this song and Sum 41 in general in the same way that I like LARPers. <laughs> when it's like, you're loving it. Yeah. You're not hurting anybody, so I'm so happy for you. <laughs> like, I just, I find myself, in, I can't be mad at Sum 41. I don't really like them, but I can't be mad at them. There's there's only one true element of sad 
pathos in the song where he says, uh, um, and the doctor told my mom she should have had an abortion, abortion, abortion. (laughs) You are loving that effect. Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm all patched in, baby. Oh man, we are stepping it up on the Big Shiny podcast, guys. We are we are getting effects. It's gonna be. I mean, soon we'll have catchphrases. It's gonna be. It's <laughs> well, gonna be let's a try great out time. a few right now. I, I actually I was hoping you would bring that up. Here's one. It's uh, <laughs> shua. How's that? Ooh, I like that. Wait, but what if I do it like this? Shua. Oh, even better. That's frightening. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Wait, what? Is, what, what, what? Shua. 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 I, I gotta work on it. You scratch it there at the end? Oh, yeah. Shua. Shua. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Mix Master Mike, what you got to say? Shua. <laughs> so silly. So silly. Yeah, it's like some 41. I'm just having fun here, guys. Yeah. That's it. I love don't, it. Don't get I mad at me because I'm not it. keeping this podcast uh, moving forward and derailing it. I'm just getting to the spirit of it. And, and you know, it's kind of great. Like, after the Sad Boy Parade of the, the last compilation, like, this, mm. uh, you know, they, they have a kind of lip service to it with um, Linkin Park. And, and now, as we move forward, we're going to see that it uh, it's just all a bunch of fun. And, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, oh, no. no. <laughs> so this, this fucking, this part of the album, on the other five that we've done. Yeah. There was always like the three song garbage sandwich. Yeah. That was just sort of packed in together. Yeah. And when this song came on and I looked at the next two, I was like, oh, that's really early in the album for them to be doing the shit sandwich. That's surprising. Uh-huh. Uh, from track five to seven. That's very, that's very surprising. And then, and then I got further and I was like, oh, they just have two shit sandwiches in this album. That's why they had to move it up. Yeah. It's a double, it's a double decker shit sandwich. There, oh my God. There are two packs of three songs that have no business being songs let alone on this compilation especially when when the strokes and the white stripes had just released albums even modest mouse released an album how's modest mouse not on this but um but anyway so the next track track five wasting my time by default aptly fucking named (laughs) buddy and you know what made me laugh is this is again this happened in the last one as well where it's like some 41 sang and I don't want to waste yes, my time. Oh, you bastard. You took my one of my only three notes about this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then it's wasting time. And there's just some fucking producer just tapping himself on the shoulder going, I am so clever. Like, or he's I just like, this. I'm so bored with this task that I'm going to make yeah. these little meta <laughs> threads throughout it that maybe 20 uh, years from now, somebody will pick up on it and it'll be my time to shine. Oh, I hope for that one now. I hope that that's, that's more hopeful. Yeah. I prefer that one. <laughs> so um, do you have, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, it's just sad to me because it's like, it, it really um, reinforces the fact that Chad Kroger was already becoming his own kind of cottage industry. He produced this song. <laughs> this song is worse than truly awful songs in some ways because of how it really just feels like here are the parts put it together like I, I wonder if anybody truly loved default in the same way that some people <laughs> truly loved the Beatles you know what I mean like yeah like w- I'm sure this was somebody's favorite band but I how and why and like what and not for long like there's no way it was their favorite band for long yeah it does not hold water for <laughs> and like you said it sounds like so many other bands I remember when they when they came out my my brother who I never listened to um, gave, was like I think I can't remember what band was playing. Yeah, 
but he just went, oh, theory of a nickel fault. <laughs> Great. Beautiful. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, what? He goes, yeah, theory of a dead man, nickelback, default. Yeah. They're all the same band. Yeah. Theory of a nickel fault. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Fant- why don't I listen to you? This is fantastic. I mean, even, yeah, even the just, music video for this is extremely Oh, my boring. God. It's just... Embarrassing. Yeah. Why are they in the in the stovetop? What are they <laughs> doing down Wait, there? Like like they're like popcorn? Like I didn't I didn't notice that even. It was it you know when they're really small and there's like a big coil behind them? Yeah. That looked to me like they were like in in a in a stovetop and they were waiting for it to like light. Like that's what it looked like to me. I don't know, maybe it was supposed to be something else. Well But to me it looked like they were made real small and standing on top of an oven. Here's a joke that's gonna bomb. Uh much like other things on an oven, uh, a watched default never boils. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> this song does nothing for anybody. I tuned out while I was listening to it. Like I full on my mind just wandered completely. E- even the band name. It's just like yeah, default. Default. <laughs> yeah. Will do. <laughs> Can we move on? Like I really don't want to waste my time talking about the song any longer. Hey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> there was like the only the only sort of constructive thought that I had while I was listening to it was um, because this was base, this was like the tail end of my childhood, and I was just thinking of how embarrassed I feel that this was what was hot. Yeah, and I and I remembered what looked embarrassing when I was you know a teenager, and it was the eighties. Yeah, and this is so much more embarrassing than Boy George. Yeah, like Boy George is like in hindsight like incredible and very like brave and interesting and weird, and then this is just fucking garbage. Well, and, and so. I feel like. Um there's something what's sad to me about this is kind of sad about just the um, nature of being a musician and having, um, you know, a lot of uh, your life and energy invested into making things. And at some point, um, yeah, some musicians, like I I don't, I don't fault anybody uh, trying to make a buck um, in this fucked up world uh, and, and how, cruel and ruthless and uh underpaid um being a musician so you know like mm. even um the previous song we we're listening to like the I, I learned that the drummer of some 41 now works as a realtor for uh, a realty company and he lists his really yeah, he lists his first job is drumming drumming for some 41 cool um like I, i'm sure like that's that's you know even a band like some 41 like they i guess they don't make enough royalties that that guy can live off mm. that so or or he wants to be super rich anyways whatever um yeah. but i just in my head i just kind of picture like uh, to me it just feels dark and it's it's harsh and if this person's listening to it uh i want you to know that i feel like i understand but um i just picture like the bassist of this band uh, has like a couple kids and his kids get of age of talking and they're like, dad, you were a musician when you were younger. And it's like, yes, I was it's like, can I hear like some of your songs? Uh, and you, you play this for a kid and like, what if the kid just doesn't like the song? Wouldn't that yeah. break your heart a little bit knowing that this is the end yeah. result of your time spent making things? <laughs> if you're the bassist of default, you could be like, well, of course my kids don't like my music. I'm their dad and it's uncool. But then, like, you start hearing them and their friends, like, making fun of defaults. <laughs> that's that's going to hurt when they don't know that you're around. I feel like, yeah, I feel I hope that if that happens, he's got an out and he could be like, of course, I'm, I'm their dad. I wish no ill on these guys. They feel like guys who are sort of taken up and they went, you are just bland enough that we can yeah. fit you into this pocket for now. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't wish them ill. I just hate their music. Yeah. That's all. Let's let's move on to. um actual wishing people ill 
holy shit, I really hate this song. Like, I really, this is the worst song in the album for me. And that is fucking saying something. I hate this song. Oh, man. Okay, so that, that song being My Way by Limp Bizkit. How dare he? <laughs> How fucking dare he call it My Way as if people don't immediately think of the Frank Sinatra song? This song would be a good song if it was uh, Coco the Gorilla wrote it after breaking free from their enclosure then i'd be like oh that's that'd be incredible that's a that's a great song that a gorilla wrote <laughs> but, <Yeah>. <laughs> but i'm i'm reminded by um there, there was this guy in in high school at this year who um his name was chuck uh he was just a dim-witted jock who um got expelled for like i think like a couple months because he beat up his girlfriend in school um Fuck. and then in the yearbook of that year, uh, they included one of his poems, which I remember verbatim to this day, <laughs> which was, sadness is like a baseball bat. It strikes a hit. I rebound back. Jesus Christ. And to me, that's somehow that sums up Fred Durst. Like, there's a huge difference between this song and Frank Sinatra's My Way. <laughs> rebound is a basketball term. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, oh, I hate that. Um, yeah, I just, there's nothing redeeming about this. I think that um, the same thing that I hated about their last song um, on, I think that was on five, right? The last Limp Bizkit one? Yeah, that was on uh, uh, Significant Other. And this one was on Chocolate Starfish, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. <laughs> It's so gross. Yeah. It's... What a loser. But <laughs> but it starts off with the same problem that I had with the last one, where the opening lyrics, you think you're special. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same bullshit that he was talking about in the last one, where he's like, oh, you think that everybody is like you. He's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you're 35. You're 35. <laughs> like, I really, I honestly, like, I really worry about rock musicians uh-huh. and song songwriters in particular it's got that same sort of aimless rage that you were talking about with with lincoln park yeah where it's like who who is he talking to he never addresses that yeah there's no specific person it's just whoever you happen to hate yeah why what did they do to him who hurt you man yeah who's trying to hold you down at no point it's not a boss it's not a there's no story to this it's just aimless vague rage yeah and and i i really stand by my statement um from last episode that i i do think this music bears some responsibility for creating a kind of attitude in uh mostly dudes i'm assuming uh, and their approach towards uh other people and violence and literally um probably being the soundtrack to a lot of american soldiers going into iraq and i just wanted to quickly mm. point out this thing this is jumping ahead two years but um I'll cite this um, later uh, where this is from, but as the skies over Baghdad blazed like the mother of all laser shows, Fred Durst, patriotic American advocate of Liberty and self promoter posted his thoughts about operation Iraqi freedom at limbbiscuit.com. We can't protest. Jesus. <laughs> these are Fred Durst. These are Fred Durst's oh thoughts um, uh, on operation Iraqi freedom in 2003. We can't protest any longer, he counseled. 
We have to support our country now because we are at the point of no return. Go USA, go freedom for Iraq. And on that note, our new CD is going to hit you with a similar impact. <laughs> what a fucking charlatan, man. <laughs> I, hate, I hate this guy. I don't know him. I don't even really know much about him. I just don't like him. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if part of his, um, if, if his hateability is actually part of his success. Like, you know, like we're talking about it and, and we're mm. getting a lot of content out of it. Like maybe on some level, the person who um, signed these people knew that their kind of innate punchable uh, faces. hateable yeah. <laughs> qualities. I mean, that's how that's how ICP sort of succeeded, right? Is taking a bunch of hateable people and making them their fan base. Yeah. And maybe that's all. Limp Bizkit just did slightly less hateable people, but actually like actually more hateable, but just less like apparent. Yeah, and how hateable they are. It's in their heart as opposed to in their 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 stinkiness or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when he says in the song, "Someday you'll see things my way," I'm like, "Yeah, uh, that is I, frightening." I kind of doubt that, Fred. <laughs> that is, I really like. Yeah, I don't like. I don't like him at all. I think he's a bad person. Um, one thing that I found out because I was I, I was thinking while I was listening to it, and the um, the DJ was scratching at one point, and I was like, "Poor Limp Biscuits DJ." Yeah, what what a shitty job. And so I looked him up. First thing that came up was his MySpace page. Love that. Mm. That's great. Excellent work. Um, but did you know that he was Cypress Hill's DJ? Wow. No, I didn't. Um, ouch. Yeah, he went on tour with Everlast, and then um, when. And then Everlast and him released like a solo album together. Yeah. Like it was Everlast album and he produced it. Mm -hmm. And then his name's DJ Lethal. Very cool. Very badass. Yeah. And um, and then they and then they made Cypress Hill and they they he produced or like he he was the DJ on that first on their first two albums. And so like jump jump around, that's that's him. Okay. He's on Jump Around. Okay. So it's like he had a like legit career. And then he joined fucking Limp Biscuit after Cypress Hill opened for them on tour. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's got to be heartbreaking. I mean, maybe not because he's super rich and who gives a shit. But it's not like, I even looked because, like, most DJs will have, like, mixtapes, yeah. you know? Yeah. Also, he's, like, he's Latvian. Okay. Comes from comes from kind of not much and sort of found his way into this. Yeah. Um, Everlast asked him to tour with them when he was 16. So he dropped out of school and was like, yeah, fuck this. And went on tour with Everlast in Europe. Yeah. And so like, I respect that he was able to get to where he was, but I feel like he's just like, he doesn't make anything. He's not really around. He is producing people. I checked his Instagram and he's, he's got pictures of him in a studio a lot. Okay. I've never heard, I've never heard of any of the acts that he's produced. And there's some, there's talk of a, 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 a solo release with a genuinely incredible bunch of guys, Pharaoh Monch, Talib Kweli, I think Bun B. Did this guy pay you to drop him in our pot? Like, why? What, what's going on here? I have. I just became like super fascinated with the idea of the DJ from Limp Bizkit because no one ever talked about him. People either talked about Fred Durst or Wes Borland, and yeah. I kind of forgot that there were other band members. And then when he started scratching, I was like, "Wait a second, who? What life is this?" <laughs> There's like a great American novel yet to be made by Jonathan Franzen about the life of DJ Lethal. I'm sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw, I, I realized I just sort of went on rambling there, but I'm so curious about this guy. It's so yeah. <laughs> it's just like anyways. It's like we look at our watches. Like you've been talking about DJ Lethal for an hour, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, I oh god. So what what is he? Anyways, uh, let's move on. Okay, on to the next My band. The band is called Ditch of Filth. Uh, <laughs> oh god. 
Um, okay, so the next song is uh, it's the seventh song on the album. It's called Control, and it is by Puddle of Mud. Two D's in mud. Surprised they didn't write Control with a K. Oh, yeah, and a backwards T. <laughs> <laughs> the hits keep coming, don't they? Man, this is this is the worst shit sandwich of all the Big Shiny tunes so far, and that's saying something. I really hated some of those songs. Yeah. Did you, uh, before we get into the song, do you know how this band came to exist? I don't know. Did fucking Chad Kroger take a shit in a trailer park and these guys crawled out of it? <laughs> Not too far from that. Um, the singer, Wes Scantlin. Uh, Wes Scantlin's big break in the music business came after a copy of his demo tape was delivered to Fred Durst. Durst contacted <laughs> Scantlin and after hearing that his band had broken up, decided to bring him to California to attempt to put a new band together. So on the strength of the talent <laughs> of the singer of Puddle of Mud, Wes Scanlon, Fred Durst flew him out and built a band around this emerging yes. <laughs> savant. Yes. <laughs> What quality what quality do you think it was that drew Fred Durst to whatever the fuck this guy is? It has to do with um a particular sense of anger and rage, but also a kind of confused and self-righteous horniness, which um <laughs> okay. is in a lot of Limbiscuit songs, uh, but is also in this song. Like I mm. to to this shit songs credit um i think this song is the one i laughed at the most out of the entire comp because of the whole build-up where he says um like i love the way you smack my ass so weird right so i mean nothing's wrong with a little butt slap if that's your thing but um he really like this feels like a lie that's is how vanilla guys talk about having exciting sex this is you know what it first made me think of is that scene in 40 year old virgin where they find out that steve carell's a virgin yeah and they're like, tell us a sex story. And he's like, oh, well, we were, uh, we were really doing it. And uh, tell us about her like a bag of her sand. A bag of sand. Yeah, it felt like a bag of sand. <laughs> yeah, this is how someone who doesn't have sex talks about sex. Yeah. I love, I love the way you smack my ass. Like, what are you talking about? And then he just goes, I love the dirty things you do, and let's just leave it at that. We're not gonna... This yeah. is a liar. This is an absolute liar. He is he he has only had sex in the missionary position, mm -hmm. and only with his high school sweetheart. That is what I'm. I will go to my my deathbed believing that this man has only slept with one woman in one position. In the past, some people have compared this um, band to a really watered down Nirvana, and if you think that, then <laughs> I suggest that you check out uh, a later cover of "About a Girl" by Nirvana that Puddle of Mud did, um, because it transcends the original in ways that you don't expect particularly uh interesting vocal performance <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one of the hardest things i've ever tried to watch did you see the basis they kept cutting to the basis and he looked like concerned for <laughs> for the singer it's it's so it's such a um horrible prospect to think that out in the vast realm of space um, galaxies picking up radio waves luck could have it that this is the song that is first heard by other intelligent life uh to represent humanity like ima imagine oh. imagine if this was the only thing that made it through and a bunch of sentient beings were like yeah no i'm no no point getting in touch with this species 
Pass. Yeah. We pass. So it's going to be a no from me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> this, I've been trying to figure out what on earth could have led to bands like this and Default being big enough to sell tickets to anything. And I honestly feel like people were so maybe worried about terrorism that we forgot to care about quality. I don't know how they got through. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's maybe a good sign for humanity that this band didn't really have too much longevity, though. Yeah, that's true. It's not like they had a, a second breakout album. Like, literally, you can find their phone number online now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, um, well, actually, the opposite, a band that has lasted so much longer than I expected it to. Yeah. Track eight, Hashpipe by Weezer. Yeah. Weezer. The Sloan of America. The knee stuck in flavor is a favorite treat. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That sounds sinister. That's that sounds like uh, that sounds almost Jeffrey Epstein level. Yeah, very much so. And that's again like that's there's like the stereotype of like Japanese guys loving the schoolgirl uh-huh. thing, and it's like oh god, you uh, ah. No, I don't like that at all. Rivers, take it back. But it also doesn't matter because I, I don't think this is a song that is begging you to pay attention to its lyrics. It's a fucking dumb balls to the wall, like glam rock song or something, right? Literally never understood a single word of it other than I've got my hash pipe. Yeah. The rest, every single other word's on Yeah. And then I've got my, I've got my hash pipe. You've got your string cheese. What does he say? The album was never released with a lyric sheet. And still to this day, people are debating whether he's saying big cheese or big G's as in the letter Ah. G, but it's still unknown. And it's telling that he will not say because either way, it's fucking dumb. Yeah. This song felt really long. Yeah. Even though it is very short. (laughs) Yeah. Here's the thing that I noticed in the music. Did you watch the music video? Yep. The sumo wrestlers didn't look Japanese to me. They looked Samoan or Maori, okay. which I found very strange. Yeah. And I don't think that it means anything or matters. It just stood out to me and I found it very odd. I don't know enough about sumo culture. Maybe they have some kind of rule where they're not allowed to be like filmed other than on matches or like they can't lend out their likeness to things or yeah i mean or may or maybe they're super expensive because they are like huge celebrities mm -hmm. so maybe they just got sort of like lowercase sumo guys but it just it just seemed odd yeah i i I just didn't know if there was like a reason for it or maybe they just yeah it it could have been anything it just struck me as odd maybe like they had some disagreement about like who um like how, how much uh was to be spent at craft services or something and so they just found like a sumo league, not in Japan, that would bring their own food or something. I don't know. Yeah, like a, like the lower wrestling leagues for the ones that feed into WWF. <laughs> so they're like, you'll pay me in a sandwich, I'll be there. <laughs> All right, track nine, Days of the Week by Stone Temple Pilots. What are you saying? I I really like this song. I'm pretty sure the song is entirely about drugs. Uh, I don't think he's singing about... <laughs> Uh, love interest um in some ways i kind of think it's the best song on the comp i just am a sucker for a well written pop song that has a lot of interesting kind of flourishes going on with it i'm not going to defend it to the death but uh i i think it's a catchy song (laughs) i agree completely i think it's the best on temple pilot song in a while yeah uh it's just good foot tapping slinky rock yeah 
I just yeah, it's like it's super likable. Yeah, I, I really as soon as it started, I was like, yep, I'm on board 100. Yeah, I mean like they're kind of classy, is how I would say. Like, Scott Scott Wayland is a sexual being. Oh yeah, he's a he's <laughs> a panther and a jaguar like combined into one person. <laughs> yeah, and like in the music video, there's the 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 back and forth between him being sort of straight laced gentleman and then in an all black suit just sort of writhing on the sun extremely attractive people can make anything look good that they're wearing yes like, yes <laughs> yes it's not yes. the clothes that make a person look no. good it's <laughs> literally the person inside <laughs> yeah because <laughs> then every time i've tried to wear suits and and uh swivel my hips in front of a full-length mirror i do not feel like scott wyland i must say no but also i don't think either of us do it with the confidence of a scott wyland yeah maybe i should start doing I, heroin yeah, that's help. part i mean it'll add to your confidence you will stop caring <laughs> um all right well i mean yeah that's refreshing we don't have to uh dissect this one <laughs> yeah no i just think it's good all right uh track 10 when it's over by sugar ray oh bro has been dumped i hate this song <laughs> and i think you might like it which i find very interesting if I was to hear this song alone, I'd be like, turn that off. But in the oh. context of this compilation, it feels like it feels like a shittily made life preserver that somebody throws to you. They're mm. trying to help this compilation um, <laughs> have a little bit of uh, sonic and emotional variety. Um, but again, yeah, this is uh, music for bros who are sad but are more romantic about the relationship than somebody like Fred Durst. You know what I hate about the song is it's, to me, it's the opposite of Sum 41, where it's, Sum 41 is cohesive, stupid joy and mischief. Mm -hmm. And this one is like, the music is sort of uh, upbeat and, and bubbly. Yeah. And then Mark McGrath, I think, might be incapable of joy. And the gap between those two and the fact that they're not able... Sometimes that can be a really beautiful thing. Like Adam Green does that really well, where the, the music will be like really interesting, like sort of fun and foot tapping, and then the lyrics are horrific. Yeah. But, but there's no marriage of this. It feels like they took the tracks from two different songs. Yeah. They were like spare, yeah. and they jammed them together over top of each other. You may be right. And, yeah. that, and that became this song. Yeah. Like it just... It's, it's not even that like I hate Mark McGrath, which I like, I don't like him. But I just, this feels like a bad song. <laughs> yeah, you're probably really right. poorly made. If you had a gun to my head and say, you can only listen to one song for the rest of your life, this song or Puddle of Mud, I'm probably going to pick this one. That is no way, that is the worst compliment I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a defense lawyer, they'd get the chair. That's how. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we're here for the trial of Mark McGrath. Uh, <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, your honor we need to finish guilty <laughs> when i when i close my eyes and i i listen to this album and i pictured i just i just let a picture form while i was listening to the album because i was trying to figure out what i hated so much about it and the picture that i got was uh men in suits riding scooters on the sidewalk listening to this on their airbuds by, that's what by i venice beach that's who i pictured yeah no like in like a really not even in like a, a really busy city center okay. where they're really in the way and people have to move out of their way and they like don't care <laughs> this are you saying this song is the precursor to the segway owner 
it's yeah it's just like really self-centered guys who think that they're emotional <laughs> it's really like like i really hate i really hate this song fair uh, enough <laughs> uh all right should we go on to the the next song yeah from the great white north comes the great white homogeneity <laughs> um <laughs> holy yeah, shit yeah. I, I i was uh took a while to get uh, to this band, considering how long they've existed while this compilation was around, but we are talking it's about nuts. Our Lady Peace with Life. Ugh. I can't believe they didn't have a song sooner, and yeah. I can't believe that this is the one that made it on. I'm talking yeah. about Rain Maida and his Good old Rain. fucking banshee uh, whale of a voice. <laughs> he, ma- he, he, he makes Robert Plant seem like Caruso in comparison. Um <laughs> And and this song is actually a tame one for him. Like his vocal theatrics and things like Superman's Dead are oh, s- hands down still some of the funniest things I think that have ever been committed <laughs> to recording tape. Like Rain Maida right now is like upheld as Canadian musical royalty because he just married with somebody else uh, at his kind of yeah, level. Ch- Chantel Krebiatic. Yeah, they, they power coupled. Like I, I was actually uh, reading about what they were up to now and like, there's apparently like they there's some documentary released about their marital difficulties which i think is like the new Ugh. kind of rich celeb thing to do like you go and you're transparent about your relationship towards the public like there's that whole thing is with that, like will is smith is that new though jessica jessica simpson did that 20 years ago yeah but but this one is like more therapy based like i think the jessica simpson oh, one was okay. more just like what kind of crazy arguments and will they get into the, and this one's more just like like it can be hard being with the same partner for 20 years and being creative types. You really have to sit oh, okay, down sometimes yeah. and reevaluate your priorities and remember the reasons why you fell in love with each other. Jesus. I can't wait until Chantel Kreviatsik or Rain. It'll probably be Rain Maida. just looks into the camera and he goes, sometimes I just, I just feel like, like Superman's dead. Yeah. He's just like, it's really hard living this life sometimes because um, I, I really feel like sometimes I'm the only one who knows that the world is a subway. I'm uh I'm clumsy. I'm uh <laughs> It didn't even really feel like a song to me. It felt it felt like I was reading words stitched onto a pillow. Yeah. Totally. It's so earnest and it genuinely, you know, you know what it and I mean this might be me falling for it, but it feels like his heart was in the right place. Mm, no. <laughs> but I like I just it's just so fucking... This was the song that made me think of that question of like, how often do you write songs for a demographic and how long do you write them for yourself? Because I couldn't I couldn't conceive of a world where he wrote this song out of his own heart. Yeah, no, exactly. This is, the, exactly. this is the same problem that I had with like Goo Goo Dolls where it's like, who did you write this for and where did this come from? It feels like it's part of a movie. This feels like a movie song to me. I just... Like, I, yeah, I can't imagine him meaning any of this unless he's like pointing it at someone specific. Well, exactly. And I and I think that this song is advertising 101, which uh, a big part of that is you get the viewer or the listener to picture themselves in the situation. So like... How many times have you been pushed around? A lot. Is anybody there? <laughs> no. Is no. anybody care? <laughs> Not really. It, it's so much closer to like the infomercial, like, has this ever happened to you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like you were saying, uh, if this music video was made today, a bunch of white people taking a bunch of like Chinese characters. <laughs> they, when, they, when they start cascading around the cancer patient. 
<laughs> she finds just the right wig, and then all these like Chinese characters just start pouring down all around her. <laughs> Fuck me. It's so frustrating to know so many like creative, like hardworking, great people, and then to see this dog shit. Even though this came out 20 years ago, it's still like, who paid you to do this, and who, how did you trick them into paying you? Yeah. It's just a white room with a cancer patient and a teen mom and Rain Maida looking soulfully in and then occasionally Chinese characters and then the English translation for them, which I almost guarantee are wrong. Yeah. I feel like there's no way they put the research in and I know they didn't hire an Asian person. So, and, oh, Did you notice the, the last uh, symbol in the music video too? Breathe? <laughs> What's with breathe, man? <laughs> <laughs> what is with this word in Canada? Holy shit. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I can't remember the name of the other song, but they have another song that's the similar kind of shooting fish in a barrel of emotion of the, like he has a line where it's like, she wish she could have been a dancer and that she never heard of cancer. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Like, look, like this shit happens. It's a part of life. I'm not faulting anybody who wants to sing about those things it's just the way you go about it and i don't believe that it comes from a place of i'm feeling this and this was part of my life i could be totally wrong but i yeah no but there are beautiful songs about cancer as well like sophia stevens has uh that song casimir pulaski day it fuck it like i cry every time i listen to that song like i can't help it i tear up every time i think it's so beautiful yeah and it's because it tells like a real story and there's like just beautiful moments in it that are really specific to that story. Whereas this song, like you're saying, is purposely being vague so it can sort of draw the widest audience of maybe sad people. It's that like it it's I know I said infomercial earlier, but I think now it more reminds me of like American drug commercials. Yes, totally. Where it's like, do you feel short of breath after running up ten flights of stairs? Like, yeah. <laughs> Of course. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just like what have you ever felt like maybe people don't know the real you? Yeah. Do you ever feel like sometimes your friends are talking about you behind their back? Buy our lady pieces new album. <laughs> when you're out having a burger <laughs> You want to know care? that you're buying a burger from people who care. <laughs> Burger King. <laughs> Do you remember those woke ads they did like two years ago? I miss them because I'm over here. Basically, like they gave you a choice to order four different kinds of uh, boxes and one was like a sad box or a depressed oh, box. Oh, God. Jesus um, Christ. Just give the money away, you fucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Anyways, but it, that's the worst cry for help. Imagine someone being like, well, I bought the depressed box and no one at Burger King seemed to care how I was doing. So I killed myself. That's that's how their note goes. But You, you know, what's like, fucking hilarious. Like, I think I give away the money. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's so frustrating. No, it's it's terrible. Um, but I think what makes our lady peace um, eternally funny is that they they would gladly sell out their songs to one of those commercials. But I, I feel like they're the band that mm-hmm. gets passed over. <laughs> by yeah (laughs) like they want to sell out but they probably didn't as much as they would have liked to yeah that feels like a absolute guarantee (laughs) that's uh yeah because stone cold said so that's a for sure um all right moving along next song 
I think we can agree probably the best song on this compilation by a fucking yeah one hundred percent yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean this song rules it's a total fucking vibe. I'm jealous because a friend of mine got really into them. Mm-hmm. His, his name's Tristan, and I love him to this day. And he um, was trying to sell us all on the gorillas. Yeah, and we were like, "Shut up, <laughs> fuck you, Tristan." <laughs> And he was absolutely right. I didn't. I didn't really get into them until Demon Days. You thought it was, was like a album. kind of stupid Prozac kind of band. I well, no, I, I knew that they were better than Prozac. That much. That much was obvious. But um, I don't know. It just felt sort of silly. Yeah, which it kind of is um, on some level. Which I think it's. But I think it's more playful than silly. Yeah. Um, which I think is a really important distinction, if subtle. Um, but yeah, I just didn't take it seriously, and I wish that I had, because I missed out on a few great years of Gorillaz. Yeah. The hook, the beat, the song title, too. Like, everything is so um, exquisitely placed, and mm. Del, the funky Homo sapiens, parts on this are amazing. Super Fantastic. Super raw and legitimately thought-provoking, too, like mm. the lyrics. Um, offensive to put a song like this on the same compilation that has puddle of mud it's like how do you not know yeah. that <laughs> yeah if if any of our younger listeners haven't heard this song check it out like legitimately yeah. um don't be afraid of this one because of everything else that's on here uh <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah this is like a this is a standout track this is really really cool and excuse me i remember when um when song two was on the first big shiny tunes we were talking about damon damon auburn yeah and you were telling me um that he's like a like an art school kid mm-hmm basically they're all art school kids in blur and um the i when i was reading about this song i came across like this the most art school thing which is how it got its name did you read about that uh no do tell so they called it clint eastwood because the melodica parts mm-hmm. reminded them of the theme song of the good the bad and the ugly nice and so for someone to be like this oh, this melodica reminds me of that spaghetti western feels like a really art school thing to say it's it's just such a great title though too because it's clint eastwood kind of has that um sort of timeless cool uh vibe but i i, I think i read something too that um some interviewers like have you heard that song and he's like i did it's quite catchy Actually, that's a terrible Clint Eastwood imitation. That was really, can, really can you, bad. Can, can you can you set that up for me? Can you be the interviewer here, uh, Mr. Eastwood? The uh, I don't know if you're aware, but a band called the Gorillas have made a song and named it after you. Have you heard it? I have. It's a real banger. Much better, much better. But I got a question for you. Uh, yeah. Did you get my erotic letter to Iwo Jima? <laughs> <laughs> all right all right um track 13 south side by moby yeah i just want to get this i want to hear what you have to say about it but i want to get this out of the way yeah this is basically a talking head song yeah the the other um thing to mention about this song is that gwen stefani is not on the big shiny tunes version um, which was so surprising to me mm-hmm. yeah maybe she that, was i mean it must have just been a rights thing yeah, probably. My feelings about Moby are, are totally summed up in the fact that when I think of him, I don't even think of him. I think of Eminem making fun of him. Which which that diss is so funny to me because it's when he says, nobody listens to techno. I'm like, no, a yeah. lot of people do, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also my, my favorite part of that was there was an interview with Moby later that year. 
And Moby was so just like, well, actually, I think you'll find that what I do isn't strictly techno. So I don't think that's really a just <laughs> like the, Moby, the, the, the fucking mo- loser. The moment he said that pitchfork media started. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stylistically, it makes sense that they put the song after Clint Eastwood. Uh, mm. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like Canada had a clear prerogative of wanting to rock all the time and that these are the kind of lone anomalies on these compilations. Um, but I mean, yes and no, none of these songs rock. I mean, I'm talking about the idea of rock. I'm not saying oh, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, basically it's like hash pipe, fat lip, uh, rock show one step closer. And pretty much every other song is a lament. <laughs> Days of the week kind of rocks, but not really. It's more sort of like slinky and cool. This is this is like a this is a ballad album, and then after after I uh, like the next song is I love myself today by Biff Naked, yeah. And after that, it's just a bunch of sad boys. There's a, barely any anger on this. This is almost entirely just sad, whining men. I mean, <laughs> singing not as well as they should for, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, all right, let's move it on. Let's go to track fourteen. I love myself today by Biff Naked. Biff ass naked. Yep. Um, Biff Naked to me. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about this, but anyone outside of Canada has not heard of Biff Naked. Biff Naked was a weird sort of like moment in time where she was quite famous in Canada. And to me, she's like, she's full strength Avril Lavigne. Okay. What do you, can you elaborate she, on that? What do you mean? She is, or like maybe better put Avril Lavigne is watered down Biff Naked. Okay. So the sense of, uh, 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 rebellion and sort of like tattooed semi-coolness that Biff Naked's got, the confidence and everything, they sort of took the parts of that that were marketable and they put it in a younger, prettier girl. Okay. And sort of stripped it of any meaning. Because I feel like Biff Naked is who she is. I don't get any sense that she's putting on more of a show than anyone who's performing. Yeah. Whereas Avril Lavigne feels like a, a package. So, I mean, this song is a song of self-empowerment um Mm. and i think uh it's the one feminist gesture this compilation has made in a long time um yeah and it's pretty fucking on the nose as a gesture Mm. uh we're gonna put one woman on this compilation and it's gonna be a song about how great it's to be a woman we would uh (laughs) we would put on uh man i feel like a woman but shania doesn't want to give it to us so we're putting on this one I, i mean to me like this song it, it just feels like toronto like i assume everyone who okay. lives in toronto okay. wakes up with this song in their head first thing in the morning <laughs> like they're trying to convince themselves that they love being there that they that's right i'm starting to beef with you t dot um uh yeah like it 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 feels like a fun song compared to everything else here but i kind of think it sucks as well just because it it does feel very corporate like and and by corporate i just mean it feels like um it was written with its audience in mind um which i Mm. don't think is something that necessarily defines what i (laughs) like a corporate uh rock song but um i think it's pretty close though i don't think that's unfair the only thing i really had to say was that the uh line in the song take another look at me now because it's your last look your last look forever pretty much defines everything uh in north american culture uh pre-september 11th <laughs> like, <laughs> like say goodbye yeah. people like uh yeah it's all done yeah 
It's a new day. I remember walking across the American border with my parents and just waving to the border guard. Mm. Yeah, back like pre nine eleven, like you could actually like yell at a border guard for being yeah. a dick. Yeah, and they just kind of be like, "Ugh, yeah, fine, go through." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now to what was Jordan's second favorite song after Clint Eastwood? By the gorillas. This Mm is uh, Be Like That by Three Doors Down. (laughs) Jordan, tell me all the ways that this song spoke to you. I mean, I'm really realizing a lot more about the uh, mechanisms of American culture. And yeah, I think Three Doors Down are the last of the true American idiot savants. Because the lyrics of this song evoke the total fantasy land and um, disillusionment that America was feeling at the time, but unintentionally so. Now in dreams we run. She spends her days up in the North Park watching the people as they pass. And all she wants is just a little piece of this dream. Is that too much to ask? For the safe home and a warm bed? On a quiet little street? All she wants is just that something to hold on to. That's all she needs. Ford. Everybody who likes Three Doors Down voted for Trump. Every single person. I'm not going to bother with that research. Yeah. Just prove me wrong. <laughs> prove him wrong, people. You're out there, Three Doors Down fans. This is the result of uh, a union made out of drunken promises. Yeah, it's not a it's not a happy story that leads to Three Doors Down. That's where his real dad lived. That's why he named it that. As <laughs> <laughs> the man that raised him and the man that sired him and never the twain shall make eye contact again. Okay, I have a horrific confession to make, which is I loved this song as well. But I had a thing when I was a teenager where I identified with every single song that was about coming from a small town and leaving to try to do bigger things. This song was written for idiots and... People just graduating high school. Only those two people. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. And this it got me. I was both. It was too bad. That's why it kind of took into me. I, I was dumb and about to graduate miraculously. It's such a like heavy-handed, um, emotionally manipulative idea of like like what this guy in three doors down is saying. Like, if I could be like that, I would give anything just to live one day in those shoes. Yeah. But it's like, what's what happens after that then? Yeah. Well, nothing. You gave everything. You're gone. That's a wrap. The next track, 16. There's three songs left. They're all bummers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're at Alone in the Universe by David Usher, formerly of Moist, who was holding yep. him back. <laughs> all these years. <laughs> so it turns out that David Usher 
there was a litigation because um, there was a rejected Oasis uh, song that he managed to get his hands on and basically rip it off. Um, I recommend you listen to uh, David Usher's version just so you can hear the likeness yeah. of um, how he kind of ripped this off. Okay, and again, we have we have links to all the songs in the bio, so just check those out. We we got Noel Gallagher in the studio right here. Noel, do you want to say a few words? No, I just want to play his fucking song. All right, cool. Um, oh, he's so, so abrupt. I'm very aroused. All right, Noel, do uh, you want to just get some levels? Yeah, would be right. Yeah, I wrote this for our kid. I wrote this for for Liam to sing, but he didn't want to fucking sing it, wanker. So, um, Classic I'm Liam. Here. <clears throat> How, how many levels? Good. A little loud. Check. L- a, l- a little bit loud, then. A little loud on the guitar. I mean, we want fucking loud, don't we? Fair enough. I guess I'm too old. That's my mistake. I apologize. Well, thanks for having me on your podcast. I hope that it gets a lot of fucking listeners and you guys can finally afford to um, buy yourself some new clothes. <laughs> that was a very nice uh, compliment itself. Thank you, Noel. Well played. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing the song right now, so if you can shut the fuck up, it'd be appreciated. Ah, oh, God, I feel honored. Sally's on the ceiling, but she don't know why. She's shaking off a heavy mind to feed a stormy soul. Only have one life to live in the sunshine Mince me pies that peasants eat Bangers and the mashed Cadbury creams Look up at the fire stars And see them all shine Tapestry galaxy The shine of your eye and if you can't see yet, you might be blind, burning bright, your crazy diamond shining in the summertime. You're my gin and tonic, lemon lime. <laughs> Did I already mention I'm the greatest one to shine? The citrus of my life. Lemon lime <laughs> Behave at the feast And mind to never spill the wine <laughs> Time is rolling by It always makes me shine <laughs> No one told me that You gotta roll with it to shine I shine, I shine, I shine That sleep-filled, shineless shined <laughs> We shine, I shine, full shiny one And say, here's Johnny in a dream and shine Look up at the fire shine And see it all shine Tapestry galaxy The shine of your shine and if you can't shine it, 
than shine you're not Burning bright you're crazy diamond Shining toward the summer shine <laughs> So shine out your shining Shine a shine Did I already shine In the shine to fuck a shine So what is your shine shine Lemon shine Did I already mention I'm the greatest one to shine And he fucking ripped me off Can you imagine that? But I want to call it David Usher here. You fucking owe me money for that fucking song, you wanker. Excellent. Thank you so much, Noel. Well, thank, thanks, Noel. Thanks for being on the show. Wow. Yeah, well, the... Wow, that guy really likes to shine. Thanks for that song. And... That was incredible. What a big get. Yeah. That's, he's really hard. He hates interviews. That's so impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he... I think he uh, oh, he's just leaving the building right now. He's uh, flipping me the bird, but like in the English way with like the two Oh, yeah. Oh, that's victory. You're fine. Well, yeah, I admit after that, it that, that does the song does kind of sound like it could have been an Oasis song. He makes a very convincing point. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think David Usher at least didn't say the word shine so much, but that's uh, yeah. I gotta say that if, it really felt like um, he stopped caring about writing the song about halfway through, and it became yeah. mostly about shining. Which, to be fair to yeah. David Usher, he did write all the verses. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well. um... Yeah, I guess I guess uh, we should just move on after that. I don't really know what more we can yeah, say. Yeah, no, I feel like there's a legal battle impending, and we will cover it all here on the Big Shiny Podcast. Noel Gallagher v. Yeah. David Usher. Um, <laughs> all right, so track 17, Breakdown by Tantric, the penultimate song. Um, this, I started laughing out loud yeah. when he started singing. In your life. <laughs> I, I could listen... To him, go in your <laughs> just for hours. It's so silly. <sighs> it's just silly. Like I can't. This in the way that, like you know, um, what was what was the song earlier that was playful but not silly? Was that Clint Eastwood? Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think it was the Gorillas. Yeah, this is silly but not playful. This is a ridiculous <laughs> song, and they're they're having no fun. Yeah, <laughs> so what a waste of everyone's time. So so boring as well. It's in like, your life, in your life. <laughs> just, it's so stupid. And he just like creeps in. Like there's no sense. It feels like you know what a movie when someone's in a room and then someone just sort of steps out of the shadows. They've been there the whole time. Yeah, that's how he sings. That's how he comes into the song. <laughs> he just appears. You're like, ah, get out of here. There's that hilarious inspirational poster section of the song where he says if you find your oh let's do it in his voice like if you find yourself then you might believe then within yourself you just might conceive right he just drones through this nonsense <laughs> this hallmark card <laughs> bullshit <laughs> yeah. like, and then he's just like i know the breakdown <laughs> everything is gonna hurt i don't know that that became someone else but that's <laughs> un yeah unbelievably these guys are American, and they <laughs> made it. This feels like such a m mediocre Canadian band. It does, yeah. That's interesting. maybe that's why it was out. included. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. It's like ah, fuck, just throw them on the pile. Just like Sting, I'm going ten trick. <laughs> nice. Um, all right, so the last song. Well, at least they turn it around here. Hey, buddy. Why did they do this? What is wrong? <laughs> what is wrong with them? 
Why would they do this? <laughs> like to you or to, to all Canada? to everybody? <laughs> they have so much power. This is the album, by the way, sales wise, where it starts to drop. This is the last one that does okay. I love so much that this is the last song. <laughs> I I love that this is the last song. I swear to God, Canadians don't want to be great. I swear to God. <laughs> we just have no interest. My country's flag has a saber. What does your flag have? We got a leaf. Yeah, not even a tree. It could have been a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that there was one person at Much who just fought for Tea Party all the time. <laughs> and everyone else was like, shut the yeah. fuck up. <laughs> all right, uh, do we have any more suggestions for... Um, uh, 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 okay, Clive. Yeah, what, what's your suggestion? Well, I, I'm uh, since they weren't included on the last compilation, uh, I, I just want to remind you, Tea Party have a new album out, <laughs> and uh, Walking Wounded is a great song because it's the first song that um, ever uh, this band ever used 72 recording tracks, and um, it's uh, I, I I think that this song is uh, <laughs> shut up, shut up. <laughs> if you mention Tea Party one more goddamn time. Hey, uh, sorry, Steve. Um, I, I don't know if you remember. We can't talk to Clive like that because his father uh, owns like seventy percent of the shares yeah, here. Guaranteed. At Much music. He's Mister Chum. I have two notes. One is uh, what happened to closing with the best song. That's mm -hmm. a basic for all compilations. Um, the next uh, is I don't know. I, I I don't know what I was where I I've got a general idea of where I was when I wrote this, but. It just says, what What can we say about the tea party that bankers on a Coke come down haven't said about themselves? <laughs> <laughs> just hyper arrogant people coming down with no serotonin, self-hate. Everything that a banker on a Coke come down says about himself is what I want to say about tea party. I think the hubris of existing, yeah. the hubris of making more of this. Is so infuriating. Literally, Jeff Martin um, used 72 tracks in a recording studio to make this song because there's a choir. It's so, like, overblown. Um, and uh, in an interview with him, he said that this song was about a time in his life that he is glad is over. Wow, great. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I never realized this, but... Um, Jeff Martin uh, anticipated Tame Impala. You ready for this? What? <laughs> this part right here. Um, no, it's like, it's, it's definitely like, they're both ironically in this kind of world of loving psychedelic music. Like he references Pink Floyd in the song, I think at some point where he says, are you comfortable and numb? Okay. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, both Kevin Parker and Jeff Martin are strangely cut from the same cloth, but where Jeff Martin wants to show you how he can put uh, a knife in his own heart, Kevin Parker wants to show you how he has like a really sick looking bong yeah. <laughs> and i gotta go with the ladder on that you gotta go with the bong every time you, you gotta you gotta go with the bong every time because <laughs> i couldn't make out where the choir was in the song could you hear it really yeah it's right it was uh it's right here it was right uh 
in the background behind himself. <laughs> on, on track 45. Wait. No, it was, it was there. You know what? You might be yeah. right. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that he uh, used. I don't think he used a black gospel choir. I just think he filmed black women singing and then didn't use them in his music, because there's too much joy in it, and he can't. He can't deal yeah. with that. I bet he had an idea to yeah. use them, and then he was like, "Nah, these ladies are going to show me up. I can't have that level of real emotion in my music." Yeah, Jeff Martin is heading for a sabbatical after this. Thank I don't God. Think he shows up again, but. Um, yeah, overall thoughts? You know what? I hated five, Big Shiny Tunes five more than I hated this one. And that's interesting. I think it's because there was the bright spots early on yeah. of Rock Show, which is just straight up fun. Yeah. And Fat Lip, which is fun. And then you've got Clint Eastwood yeah. uh, coming up. I found that I didn't hate it overall as much as five. And I thought that I would hate it more. And I'm very, excuse me, I'm very surprised about that. That was that. Yep. What a goddamn album. Yeah, what a goddamn year. What a goddamn year indeed. Mm -hmm. What can you say that hasn't already been said? I mean, the length of this episode, I'd like to think that we said it all. Um, this is, uh, it's a shame to end on the tea party, but here we are. It was a downer of a year. The nation of America was walking wounded, and we traipsed next to it along the beach. There were four foot sets of footprints in the sand, and they all led to a war in Afghanistan. Yeah. Oh, God, I hate that song. That, enough about the Tea Party. Um, Jeff Martin, come on the podcast. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, we have so many questions. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. As always, if you enjoyed it, please rate and review. If you give us five stars or a great comment, it really helps because people will find the podcast. Also, if you want to support the podcast, we have a Patreon account. Yeah. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Big Shiny Podcast. We have one patron so far. We'd like to get uh, at least two. Yeah, two to a thousand. Anywhere between those numbers is absolutely fine with us. Uh, if you feel like signing up for a thousand Patreon accounts, you're an insane person, but we respect that about you. Your commitment yeah. is appreciated. In insane people with money is pretty much the only reason art exists. Honestly, patrons is it's such a shame that it's a thing of the past where a rich person would just take an artist under their wing and be like, "You, I got this. Yeah, that was a that was a hell of a time to be alive. Yeah, I'm at the point in my career where I'm thinking of going door to door to a rich neighborhood and just asking if they want to uh, give me money. <laughs> for yeah, because it's basic. It's basically like being a sugar baby, but without the sex. They just want you for your sweet creative brain. <laughs> that sounded suspiciously like a puddle of mud lyric. Sugar baby without yes. the sex. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I've been I've I've been listening to a lot of big shiny tunes lately. I don't know, <laughs> you know, but uh, my brain has been compromised. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next Tuesday. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Noel Gallagher for uh, appearing on the episode. And uh, really big of him. I, actually, if I can just give some news for next week too, um, mm -hmm. we're going to be covering Danko Jones' uh, Lover Call next week. And yes, uh, since yes. him and I have some history, I've reached out to the Danko camp, and uh, there's a good chance we might get Danko on. Here's hoping. Yeah. Here is hoping. He was very mad at you, so we'll see. I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping for an olive branch here. That would be great. All we want is peace. Jeff Martin, we're talking directly to you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, uh, I am Chris. This is Jordan. We love you very much. Goodbye. Bye.